What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> ECW World Heavyweight Champion. The ECW. When you want to load down the professional wrestling, come right here to the two-man power trip of wrestling. You'll get all the load down. <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the, on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. It just You said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. but Chad and John, the two-man power trip. That's, uh, that's an awesome uh, name for yourselves. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hear me. Fear me. What's going on, guys? This is a 7-foot, 330-pound DNA of TNA. That's right. My DNA is outer space. And you're listening to the two-man power trip of professional wrestling. You know, I, I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know 10 times more than I do. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. by your flamboyant entrances, your in-ring style. However, put all that showmanship aside, and I've got to ask you very candidly, do you think you've got what it takes to be successful here in WCW? Moi? Gee, come now. Being the consummate entertainer that I am, I am here in WCW to prove all these polyester-clad simpletons that a maestro does indeed have a purpose. The maestro will perform a symphony of superior athletic skill. He will dazzle his public with an array legato and vogue that will be music to the eyes. And he will build such a climax that even his worthless opponent will be applauding for an encore. You know why, Gene? Why? Because the maestro is the star. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by the return of Spartacon. Spartacon 2 heads your way on Saturday, August 13th, and Sunday, August 14th. Head on over to the Blue Crabs Baseball Stadium in Waldorf, Maryland, for the only dedicated Spartacus fan convention in the United States, complete with gladiator battles inside the arena, exclusive celebrity meet and greets with the stars of Spartacus, and so many other unique events. Get on over to RedSerpents.com and find out more about Spartacon 2, and stay tuned in just a little bit for a little bit more information on Spartacon and how you can join the fabulous folks over at RedSerpents.com in the return of Spartacon 
And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only Primetime John Paz. And John, today on the show, we're joined by a former WCW superstar, a former Smoky Mountain Wrestling superstar. His name is Robert Kellum, but you might remember him as the maestro, now known today as simply the Stro. And the maestro, the Stro, Robert Kellum, joins us to talk about his career that stretches all the way back to the early 90s through his days in WCW and what he's doing today. A guy who's completely reinvented himself and still remains active today on the independent scene. You know, if I'm down here in Virginia, he's hitting the Virginia spots. He's in North Carolina and so so on and so forth. But the Stro, he's a really entertaining follow on social media. But his stories and the, what he's done in his career are just absolutely fantastic. And John, talk about his family lineage. Talk about some of the things we're looking forward to hearing on this episode. And how his connection to one of the most famous, not only wrestling superstars of all time, but television icons propelled him to have one hell of a career thus far as he still battles his way through the trenches of professional wrestling. Yes, Chad, back here again at the two-man power trip of wrestling, and we have a great episode today. We run the gamut. We start in 1990, and we go all the way up until today, and boy, was this a great one. Talking, of course, about The Stro, a.k.a. Robert Kellum, a.k.a. formerly known as The Maestro. Now, he was just such a fun interview to do, because if you think about it, guys that debuted that long ago have such a wide variety of subjects to talk about and it's just unbelievable that you can talk Smoky Mountain, USWA, WCW, you know, everywhere in between with somebody and that's what the interview was with Robert Kellum aka The Stro. So much fun, such, so much great stuff on there but one of the most interesting stories that to me that really came out of the interview and obviously you know it's all over the place but you never are too sure with all these internet rumors. Is this true? Is that true? Is he really related to this guy? Is he really not? So we, of course, asked him about it, and he is, in fact, related to the legendary, one of the most famous professional wrestlers of all time, Gorgeous George. And Gorgeous George is actually his great uncle. So it's just great to get the story behind that, the you know the family legacy, the family lineage, if you will, behind you know him and his career. And it's just really fun to get into that topic of Gorgeous George because it's not something we always talk about on the show. But if you're a wrestling fan or if you're a sports fan in general or if you just know anything about television, you've probably heard of or seen Gorgeous George somewhere, you know, along the way. And obviously, if you're a Muhammad Ali fan or know anything about Muhammad Ali, he kind of got his whole spiel or, you know, a lot of it from Gorgeous George. And, you know, he loved professional wrestling. So it is great to get Stroh's... Uh, know backstage or whatever you want to call it maybe his uh his little bit of a family ties to the great the legendary gorgeous george and obviously you know in uswa he would adapt that name and then in wcw again you thought he was going to adapt that name but he didn't quite so it's just great to get that story from the stro yeah, the Gorgeous George stuff, you can't get enough of it because, like you said, we really don't get into Gorgeous George as much as we should uh, or as much as we could because, you know, there's not too many people that have that connection to him. 
still in the wrestling business, but Robert Kellum, obviously, with the family ties, who better to talk to about, you know, that gorgeous George lineage than the man himself, Robert Kellum. But when you think about his career as a professional, you think about the territories that he's been in, and John, why don't you tell us a little bit about the stops that Robert Kellum had along the way? Yeah, you know, I kind of briefly mentioned it before, and obviously, you know, his career started many, many years ago, and it started in 1990, and he wrestled all over the globe and all over the United States, of course, and think about where he's been in his career, and it's just awesome to touch on these subjects. I mean, he's been AAA in Mexico. Mexico is a hotbed of wrestling. I love to talk about it. WWC in Puerto Rico, awesome to talk about that and the colognes and everything he accomplished down there. So that was some good stuff, and then, of course, like I just previously mentioned, the USWA, you get some good Jerry Lawler stuff in there. You know, some good Brian Christopher stuff, some Tommy Rich stuff. So that was a fun topic. Then, of course, Smoky Mountain, where he's a former Smoky Mountain television champion. And you can't, you know, talk about Smoky Mountain without talking about James E. Cornette, a.k.a. Jim Cornette. And you get some great stuff on that. So I just love to run the gamut of the guy's career, especially when he had that long of a good and a great of a career as he did. And when you touch on Smoky Mountain, we talk about his feuds with the legendary Tim Horner and one of the greatest, most underrated wrestlers of all time, Chris Candido, who all had lengthy feuds with Destro. That was some good stuff. Going into, obviously, you know, something that I love the most and really my wheelhouse, talking to him about WCW. So that was awesome. We talk about the Russo era. We talk about the Bischoff era. He has strong opinions on both. We talk about when he was the maestro and doing something with James Brown, which is just an unbelievable story in and of itself. But some of the most interesting stuff is him actually becoming the maestro. Us talking about the piano. Us talking about his theme song. Us talking about Ryan Shamrock, who plays his valet for a brief time. So that's some great stuff. And possibly the most interesting story of all was the Gorgeous George name that he was supposed to be using in WCW. Obviously, he was Gorgeous George III in USWA. And obviously, his great uncle, like we mentioned, is the real Gorgeous George. So you think he's going to be able to use Gorgeous George, and you think that's going to be his name, and they're going to play up his family uh, lineage, and they're going to play up the family legacy. But... We get a great story in there about how the Macho Man kind of put a stop to that and uh, get great stuff on Randy Savage and his relationship with Savage. And he has some great uh, one-liners about Macho Man, some great stories from him. But, of course, you know, you talk about the gorgeous George, Macho Man's girlfriend at the time, who ended up taking the name and why she took the name and how weird it kind of was that she took that name. So we really, really delve deep into WCW there. And, and that's some of my favorite topics in this whole entire interview. Yeah, John, and I think we all know by now that if there's anything that you like to talk about, it's WCW, especially in that 1999 era, because uh, you're a definite purist when it comes to World Championship Wrestling, and you definitely, definitely are in that stro time period where you couldn't get enough of that WCW, maybe on its last legs, but colorful characters like the stro made their way to your television set and of course, today's episode is number 192 as we march towards the milestone number 200. And the guest that we have lined up for number 200 is pretty fascinating. It's pretty awesome. And again, if you know the show, it sort of hits the uh, the wheelhouse of past milestone episodes, which episode 100 was the great, magnificent Don Morocco. And then the one-year anniversary was Tito Santana. And episode 150 was Jim Cornette. And episode 175 
five was Kevin Sullivan. So episode 200 is going to go just as close in line with those legendary names. And as we march forward to 200, we want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by the return of Spartacon, Spartacon 2, the most exciting Rebels convention ever, complete with cosplayers, artists, exhibits, celebrity guests, stuntmen and stunt coordinators, CrossFit trainers, Legion instructors. You just never know what you're going to find at the one and only Spartacus fan convention based in the United States. Spartacon 2 comes your way on August 13th and August 14th in Waldorf, Maryland. Get on over to RedSerpents.com for more information for a complete list of the celebrity guests in attendance and just how you can get a special hotel rate for those coming out of town for the mega event known as Spartacon 2. Again, it's August 13th and 14th in Waldorf, Maryland. Stay tuned to the two-man power trip of wrestling in the next week for a very special gift courtesy of our friends over at Spartacon and get over to RedSerpents.com to find out more about Spartacon, more about the Red Serpents, and just exactly what Spartacon is all about. And with that being said, John, hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to the maestro. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Rasslin' Pal and at Two Man Power Trip. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. We are releasing the latest and greatest clips. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're on there, please check out the feed for prior great episodes with the late American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Jesse the Body Ventura, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, the phenomenal AJ Styles, the Demon. Glenn Kane Jacobs, The Lunatic Fringe, Dean Ambrose, Stan the Laird Hansen, and many, many more. Also, please check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. You can now check us out on Google Play, as well as Player FM and the i95 Sports Network. For any bookings, please hit up our email, bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. That is bookings at tmptofwrestling.com for any of your booking needs. Also, check out our store on prowrestlingtees.com. It is new and it is awesome. So please check it out as prowrestlingtees.com. Also, while you're there, check out the Kevin Thorne page as well as the Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff page and the coming soon, the Buff Bagwell page. So please check that out on prowrestlingtees.com. And now, without any further ado, a former WCW superstar, a former Smoky Mountain Wrestling television champion, a man formerly known as the Maestro, he is Robert Kellum, a.k.a. The Stro. Please enjoy. WCW star and a former Smoky Mountain television champion. You may know him as the Maestro or simply the Stro, but he is Mr. Robert Kellum. Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling, sir. How you doing? Ah, thanks for having me. Now, first things first, I, one thing that always comes to mind when you think of you, obviously, 
is the lineage to the great Gorgeous George, one of the most well-known, famous, and greatest professional wrestlers of his time. What is the actual you know, relationship or lineage between you and him? Uh, he's my granduncle. Uh, him and my grandfather were amateur boxing buddies back in the day before he broke into business. And uh, he, uh, he, uh, he paved the way for not just professor wrestling, but for entertainment in general. And through the years of meeting people that actually knew him, like Muhammad Ali and James Brown, uh, it's, and, and tell stories of how they were influenced by him. Uh, it's, it's incredible. It really is. And, and no, not finding out later in life with my relationship to the original Gordon George, uh, it, it was just, it was a destiny thing, you know, it's just, uh, you know, through the years, people were comparing my style and look to the original Gorgeous George, in which my grandfather later smartened me up and told me that he was, in fact, my granduncle and they were uh, good friends for a good long time. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it inspired, which inspired me to uh, don the name Gorgeous George III earlier in my career in honor and retrospect of him. Yeah, definitely want to talk about the gorgeous George third, you know, and that nickname and stuff. But I just want to get back to something you said. And, you know, you said, you know, your grandfather kind of told you about, you know, your lineage to him and how you related to him. And a lot of people said they kind of, you kind of remind, you know, them, you know yourself, you kind of remind of, of him. Now with that though, were you always a wrestling fan or was that story kind of what made you more of a fan? Ironically enough, I've always had a deep passion for wrestling. Um, athletics, academics growing up in school and in theater and football and, you know, but, you know, pro wrestling was my big passion. You know, I um, took amateur wrestling high school and collegiately through uh, MMA of Japan, UWFI, and uh, got to uh, do some wrestling with the, the Iowa Hawkeyes and which, you know, Dan Gable was coaching them and he was, Dan Gable was another one that I looked up to growing up as well as, you know, you guys in the business like Lou Dez, who gave me great advice when I started, uh, Harley Race, Ric Flair, the Funks, the Briscoes, uh, Dusty Rhodes. I mean, I mean, the list goes on of uh, many great lessons that influenced me, inspired me. Now, that's actually great. I mean, those names are obviously very young of all time, some of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. What was kind of the best advice one of those guys gave you? Well, one of the pieces of advice was always be true to yourself. Always, you know, you, you're a professional wrestler and people look up to you, look and act and live the part. And, um, another piece of advice that, uh, I could, actually, I mentioned this week with some folks, had, uh, uncle Terry Funk, which I, <laughs> story, I, I adopted him as a while back. Never since I've told him uncle Terry, give me some great piece of advice. It's like for others, in life, to believe in you, you first have to believe in yourself. And it all starts with you. And to entertain, to push the buttons of many fans around the world, bringing them up, bringing them down, make them happy, sad, cry, ready to fight, etc. You, you've got to believe first in yourself. You've got to be pretty much the, the puppet master. You know, you have the ring. And not only that, but the, the person you're in the ring with the, the, many, the people actually you were in the ring with, kind of the referee, 
you know, because many people don't realize the official job is the most important one out there. It has to keep the, it's a law and order of the ring. And, and it's our, our jobs as wrestlers to tell the story and, and, uh, more or less it's kind of like our autocorrect, our car, our, uh, he handles the script of the story that we, uh, portray to the people. So, that's very true, and a lot of people don't even realize that. They kind of just see him out there, and they're not really sure, but obviously, you know, very key role and very important. But as far as, you know, we talked about a little bit, the Gorgeous George, do you always kind of have it in mind that you wanted to adopt the Gorgeous George and kind of make yourself Gorgeous George III and take that nickname, or is that kind of an idea of a booker along the line? Well, during the time, during my run with Gorgeous George III, I had a great run. I could travel many places around the world with that. And where, you know, now that I'm doing what I'm doing with Papa Stroh and all that, evolving, I'm always evolving. And, and the thing about evolving is I'll give you a couple of examples. You know, you got guys like Triple H. You guys got The Rock. And even Steve Austin and Undertaker and guys like that. You know, everybody knows who they are, but during the years they evolve. Their personalities evolve. Their image evolves. And just like life, life evolves in social wrestling. And, you know, I'm no different. You know, I involved myself doing what I'm doing now. And uh, that's, you know, goes way back to the old school Gorgeous George deal to where Gorgeous George was an innovator. He evolved. He was way ahead of his time. He he set the pace for everybody else in the business. If it wasn't for him, there wouldn't be professional wrestling like we see in television today. So, I mean, Gorgeous George is always about evolving. And I, I'm taking that concept just like many others in the business, and evolving with it. And we all should evolve because our fans evolve, life evolves, and so should we. Very well said. And a you know, very good point there. And it's interesting with George George because he was such an innovator and he was so different because if you've, you know, anybody out there, any wrestling historians watched some old footage, there wasn't anybody really. I mean, there were some guys, but nothing like him. So over the top, you know, so charismatic. Is that just like a great influence, you know, to yourself as you go through your career? Like, man, um, you know, I really want to emulate him as much as I possibly can. Well, I don't think it's so much as emulate him as just to be like him about his his way of doing things. You know, you take for example, you got Suzuki Nakamura, right? He just uh, arrived in NXT. His style, his look, is unlike any other. That's the business has seen in quite some time. Very charismatic. And he's already making waves. He had a heck of a match with Zane, Sami Zayn at um, NXT TakeOver in Dallas. I mean, stole the show. He and Sami Zayn just rocked it. And, and that was on top of the many other great matches. I mean, you had Samoa Joe and Finn Balor. You had uh, the Revival, which one of the guys I helped break in the business, Scott Dawson and uh, Dash Wilder. What a heck of a team. Wrestling American Alpha. I mean, two of the best teams out there. And the Divas. Well, now the women's wrestling division, which I couldn't be happier about that because, I mean, they are women's wrestlers from top to bottom. I mean, the best in the world, that's how I feel, in NXT and WWE right now. And I couldn't be happier. And NXT women's division has really spiced things up on the main roster as well. And, uh, going back to the show at NXT TakeOver Dallas, you had Bailey and Asuka. I mean, what a match. And, and what she, look at Asuka, for example. Asuka, there's no, nobody in the women's division like Asuka. There's nobody in the women's division like Becky. You know, originality 
always sells. And uh, something also was taught a long time ago is to to going back to the old Terry Funk adage, you know, believe in yourself. The best personalities, gimmicks and personas. And I, I don't want to use the word character because this is, you know, a character is what we do in movies. Like, you know, I'm an actor too, and uh, TV and film. And, and the character is what we do temporarily for a film or a TV series, yada, yada. But with wrestling, we live what we do 24-7. Our gimmicks is, is a lifestyle. We live it. I mean, Ric Flair is Ric Flair. Hulk Hogan is Hulk Hogan. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean we, we live what we do. And anybody in professional wrestling with, that's that's been around the business will tell you that. So it's more than just a character. It's a it's a gimmick, way of life, lifestyle for us that we live and breathe every single day. Absolutely. And going back to your point about Nakamura, he's definitely an innovator. He's definitely different. And throw all that on top of it, he's a phenomenal wrestler. And he's kind of mm-hmm. seeming like he may change the landscape a, a little bit of, uh, you know, of work rate, you know, if you will, he seems like he might change the landscape a little bit because he's one of the best in the world, no doubt about it. But do you think that Nakamura and Zayn, the great match they had, do you think that was the best match of the whole weekend, including WrestleMania? You know, there were some many great matches of the weekend. I mean, the four events that WWE put on from the NXT TakeOver Dallas, WWE Hall of Fame, WrestleMania, to the Raw the next night, Texas, I mean, top-notch, hands down. I, I would hate to pick a best match. Because, <laughs> I mean, like in WrestleMania, for example, you had the ladder match where Zack Ryder won the Intergrounded Championship. What a match that was. I mean, it was great. And the three-way for the new women's championship, Charlotte, Sasuke, and Becky Lynch. Amazing. And, uh, and Brock and Dean Ambrose, I mean, they delivered big time. Their match. I mean, it was as crazy as it gets, and even, and and I guess everybody's talking about the big fall, the big bump that uh, Shimmy Man took in Hell of Cell at the top of the cage, and and this guy, you know, <laughs> he he just came back. He's you know he just showed up to wrestle the Undertaker for the control of Raw, right? He's like an, a regular wrestler. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I dives off, off the cage to a table, <laughs> and and you know it's like. If I was, it would be like if I was a hunter and Roman Reigns' shoes. God, I mean, all those great matches, and they were like the main event. You know, wow, that'd be hard to top. But you know what? I did deliver the classic. And uh, Roman Reigns, I mean, he's the new champ, and, you know, he deserves everybody. He's worked really hard to get where he's at, and I couldn't be happier for him. And, you know, it's great. One thing great about WWE is it's like they're a constant cycle. You know, they're always creating new stars, and you're always keeping that cycle going, which you, which you need that because, you know, and even a great champion like Triple H, you know I mean? Look look how incredible shape he's in. It was, and the matches he's had with Ambrose and literally leading up the WrestleMania, it was amazing. I mean, um, Triple, Triple H is a true testament to our business, and, and for him to uh, – Elevate guys like Ambrose and Ziggler and uh, Roman Reigns, and now their guys are household names now in the WWE. You know, it, it's pretty exciting, and the stuff he does behind the scenes, you know, with the NXT and everything. It's you know, I, the future is really bright. I think for WWE right now. 
they definitely have a lot of rising stars. And you mentioned getting Scott Dawson into the business, and I do totally agree that that tag match to lead off NXT TakeOver, and it was kind of the lead off of the whole weekend. If you think about it, like you mentioned, the four days, that kind of kicked it all off, and I loved it because it had that old-school tag team flavor to it. almost felt like it was the Steiners wrestling, like um, when they feuded with uh, Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton. It almost feel like that kind of old-school tag match, but with a little bit of new-school flavor. But what was your relationship exactly. with uh, Scott Dawson and getting him into the wrestling business? Well, I helped him out when he was breaking in in North Carolina. And uh, this guy has worked so hard to get where he's at. He's wrestled in Japan. He's wrestled all over the Indi- independence. And uh, he has worked so hard to, you know, tone his craft and uh, to be a WWE superstar. And uh, I'm so happy for him and Dash Wilder. And those guys are, like you mentioned, one heck of a team. And it was great the other night watching NXT Dallas, NXT TakeOver Dallas, rather, and seeing, you know, guys like Scott Dawson and Bobby Roode, guys that I helped out earlier when they were starting out. And, you know, it's rewarding to know that you had a hand in helping them live their dream and doing what they're doing now. And I'm so happy. And I'm so proud of those guys very much. Yeah, that is awesome. And what is the history with Bobby Roode? I didn't know, I didn't realize you had a, you know, a little bit of a past with him as well. Well, Sean Morley and I, we, we helped him out a little bit up in Canada at the time, you know, him and then Petey Williams. And, uh, and I've known Sean forever. I mean, what a great guy. I mean, one of, one of the great, greatest guys in the business, hands down. And, I'm really proud to call him brother and friend, and uh, and it's, it's good to see have good friends and good people in the business that you know, in and out of the ring, you know, you can call yourself brothers and friends, and you know, like you know, wrestling business used to be, you know, we used to be, and and so in some ways we still are, we're like family, you know what I mean? Like the lady wrestlers, you know, they're, they're our sisters, and we're each other's brothers, and you know, it's trying to. Be, it's almost like being one big dysfunctional family, right? Some some people you think are cool. Some people you don't know if you'd like their family get together. Hmm. But at the end of the day, we all need each other's back and look out for one another. And and that's what the business is all about, elevating each other and keeping keeping our sport and art alive. Absolutely. And, you you know, you're mentioning Bobby Roode and Scott Dawson, kind of ready for the big time. Who actually was responsible for training you? Well, I was broken into the business a while back by uh, the legendary Ivan Koloff, Russian Bear, uh, Cowboy Nelson Royal, who was uh, arguably one of the greatest NWA junior heavyweight champions of all time, and uh, Gene Anderson of the, Minnes- the original Minnesota Wrecking Crew with uh, Ole Anderson and Lars Anderson. Now, as far as training, where did you train? Was it the North Carolina area? Yes. Uh, up in the Charlotte area where I originally started. Now it's like wrestling amateurly at the time. <laughs> Believe it or not, so you know I couldn't put weight on to save my life because anybody knows in amateur wrestling, we train like track stars. Oh yeah, yep. Cardio all the time, you know. <laughs> so, but but you know, it was great experience. I'll never forget. I mean, it watched countless tapes, um, learn the ropes, you know, being stretched every five ways from Sunday. <laughs> you know, and uh, learn craft. Uh, I'm, you know, I'll never, you know, it's it's a measurable experience. I'll, I'll never forget. And I, all those guys, those legends, uh, great, great amount of respect for what they taught me and prepared me for what lied ahead. 
pretty awesome to see, especially guys like uh, Gene Anderson and Ivan Koloff, they trained you, and that's how you got in the business. But when you started out in kind of the North Carolina independence team and stuff like that, do you get a chance to wrestle guys like Ivan Koloff? Absolutely. Uh, uh, some of the guys, legends, I, I started off wrestling with guys like Ivan Koloff, Chief Walker McDaniel, um, tagged a few times with the now Hall of Famer, gorgeous Jimmy Garvin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, uh, you, had, you had Ron Garvin, uh, Ron Anderson, uh, Kevin Sullivan, Paul Orndorff, uh, you name it. <laughs> and then later on, you know, in the, sitting in the ring with a guy like Nature Boy Ric Flair and being in the learning tree from Dusty Rhodes and, you know, and uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, who to this day is my best friend and brother, not wrestling, but in life itself, you know, him and guys like him and DDP and Scott Hall were also tagged with, uh, you know, great friends. And, and those guys helped me out immeasurably in the business. And, uh, and Jake, uh, I can't say enough about Jake. Jake is, his mind is smarter than any college professor. And um, he's one of those people that you meet and you always learn something new from because his mind never stops. <laughs> it never hmm. stops. We would talk all night at times, and the sun would be coming up. <laughs> it's like wrestling and life, whatever you think and think of, right? And hmm. Jake, you realize the, the, the rooster's crowing. But that's just a good example, a, a little example of how, how smart the man is. I mean, he, he's a psychology master. He is one of the greatest of all time, no doubt about it. And it's great to see him in the shape he's in. Obviously, the DDPO is working. I had a chance to interview him over last summer. And I said, my God, you look, uh, you know, way better shape than you did like 20 years ago. And you look actually younger somehow. What do you think about his revelation and his total turnaround of what happened? The younger saved his life, man. I really did. And, uh, I can't think. You know, that Diamond Dallas Perry is, is a true angel to business. I mean, and just in life, to what he's done with DDP Yoga is just amazing. It's helped me. I've been on it myself, and I've lost over 70 pounds <laughs> from being on wow. it. Wow. And still wow. killing amazing results. And I'm I'm more limber now and, than, and healthier than I've been in a long, long time. And uh, my friends, I mentioned here, like Scott Hall. My bro Scott Hall, he's looking fantastic. Uh, you know, Gold Dust, he's on it now. He's looking great. He, and now my brother Mick Foley. I mean, look what he lost fifty pounds. He says already from being on DDP Yoga. I mean, and then Chris Jericho, my brother Chris Jericho. You know, he's been doing it, and I mean, he's been looking great. I mean, and those are just some of the many examples of how DDP Yoga can help somebody. I recommend it to anybody to get in shape and improve their flexibility and just improve their life in general. I mean, it, it's changed me quite a bit and, and very much for the better. Yeah, I've seen some of the pictures of Foley just lost 50 pounds. Jericho's, you know, basically he's on the road all the time, but he came back to wrestling in pretty damn good shape. Goldust looks amazing. He looks better shaped than he ever did. I mean, Scott Hall, I saw a picture of him on Twitter, looks huge again, but in a, in yeah. a good way. He looks ripped. So it's crazy what DDP Yoga has done for these guys. But when did you actually meet DDP? Was it in WCW? Was it your first go around in WCW? Well, we've talked we talked a little bit in and out before 
actually I, I got in WCW through Jake, you know, through Jake, you know, mutually. That's where I got to meet Diamond Dallas Page and, you know, Raven and the guys that he's helped and Steve Austin and guys that he's helped also in the business and which, you know, I, I knew Austin back and he was teaming with Pillman <laughs> and everything. And, uh, you know, what a great guy Austin is. And, uh, and, and Diamond Dallas Page, you know, he's, uh, he, he's really, really, I mean, what you see is what you get with Dallas. I, what a great guy. I mean, you laugh and joke with him. I mean, he, he can be real with you. Um, but he, he's always been a great friend to me and great brother. And, uh, you know, He's one of the best in my book. That first go-around in WCW, I guess it was around the 93 time period, you were kind of being used a little bit as an enhancement guy, I guess, but you did wrestle on Saturday night a bunch of times, and then you did get the chance to wrestle the newly christened Hall of Famer Sting. What was that like in kind of that era of WCW before WCW kind of took off? Well, you know, that was the first of quite a few encounters I had with Sting and at that time it was funny because at the time back and forth during that time during those WCW shots I was also in Smoky Mountain Wrestling <laughs> during my thing there so um, yeah Sting class that guy hands down I mean through the years of being in the ring with him being on shows with him getting to know the guy um, he's another one that you know gave me good advice you know he always wanted to you know, hang in there do your thing you know believe in yourself and uh you know, and he, not only is he a brother in the ring to me, but he's a brother in Christ. And, uh, you know, he's he's definitely one of the good guys of our business. And hearing his retirement speech the other night, you know, and Ric Flair inducting him, it was something epic and so special. You know what I mean? And, and uh, there'll be no, I'm never another sting in this business. I totally agree. And it's weird. I feel like he's so underrated. His, to me, he's one of the greatest of all time, without a doubt. And when he came out on Saturday night and said he retired, uh, you know, as a long-time Sting fan, a little piece of me died that day. And, you know, it's okay in one aspect, maybe a little bittersweet that, you know, he's maybe he is injured, maybe he can't wrestle anymore. He is 56 or 57 years old. But then a part of me is like, man, I still want to see him wrestle because he's still kind of got it, you know, wouldn't you, you know, kind of wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. He still looks great. And it, you know, it, but it's just one of those things. That you know, you wish those guys like Sting could go on forever. You know, what I mean? yeah, <laughs> you really do. yep. And and but you know, but the only person that really knows how long Sting is going to last is Sting himself. And so, and the, the him to retire while he's still in great shape and he's looking great and everything, you know, I commend him for that. You know, what I mean, I, I really do because and he and he's going out on top. He's going out, you know, after. Being at WrestleMania after arriving at WWE and coming to Hall of Famer in itself, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. It really doesn't. <laughs> Absolutely, and obviously, he had one of the greatest careers that you could possibly imagine. Just unbelievable, and he's definitely going to be sorely missed. But you know, you mentioned working Smoky Mountain at the same time. You were actually technically Robbie Eagle in Smoky Mountain, correct? Hmm. Where yeah, I was like the baby Steiner. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean, you know, the Letterman's jacket I had with all the medals, tournament medals and everything, that was legit. That was all legit. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was, uh, I was kind of like the, the young enforcer at the time. 
with uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. But, uh, you know, I, I got a chance to work, wrestling, work with some great veterans, uh, the Rock and Roll Express, the Heavenly Bodies, uh, beautiful Bobby Eaton, Arn Anderson came in a few times, uh, Kevin Sullivan, Dirty Dutch Mantel. Uh, man, and, and not only that, you know, guys, you know, um, oh, Dirty White Boy, Tony Anthony, uh, Tracy, Wild Out Southern Boy Smothers. Uh, I can go on and on. That's some of the great talent that went through there. I mean, I think even Randy Savage may have went there one time, I think. Mm-hmm. And I know Jake did. Uh, um, and Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert. I mean, it, it was like the who's who of the business there at one point. And even the young upcoming talent who were future stars there, Chris Jericho and Lance Storm and you know, Chris Candido, which, uh, man, I, I miss him to this day. I mean, our, pound for pound, one of the best. Chris Candido was. And uh matter of fact, we were, we were the same age, and we pretty started this. Pretty much what we are talking about it one, one day, pretty much about the same time. And, uh, you know, Bobby Blaze, man, this day, one of my good friends, uh, former Smoky Mountain Wrestling champ, and uh, and who also, years later, was in WCW like I was. So, uh, and, but that Kaz and guys like that, you know what I mean? And it, it was just a great time to be Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and it very much prepared me for what light ahead with other promotions I went to and uh, going overseas as well. Yeah, that list is like a who's who in Smoky Mountain. We absolutely love on our show here because it's kind of like that forgotten territory that people uh, kind of overlook sometimes, but it was basically the last of the territories, and it was so cool to be able to go back and watch some of that stuff because there's so many big names, and you know, a bunch of them that you mentioned. And obviously, you know, you had a little feud with uh, Tim Horner. You had a feud with Candido, which was cool. But what was it like working for Jimmy Cornette? You know, he he had such a mind for the business. And, you know, it was great to see what he would come up with for, for angles and storylines, you know, for the TV tapings and, and everything. I mean, he and he, he just knew what worked and what didn't. And he had some of the great minds that were helping Jimmy at the time. You know, while, um, Tim Horner. For example, was there and um, he was helping out. Um, uh, Sandy Scott, um, oh gosh, you know Sandy Scott, Les Thatcher. I mean, I mean, some of the best, the best, of the business at the time was there. You know, which I would, yeah, I would, I would go to Sandy Scott times and just uh, pick his brain. We tell road stories, and you know, he always gave me good advice at the time before the, the TV tapings or events. So it was just. Uh, it's such amazing territory that was, you know, I'll never forget what I learned from there. And obviously, you know, former uh, TV champion for Smoky Mountain, which is pretty cool. You know, if you look at the, uh, the list of former TV champs, it's pretty cool and pretty awesome. But what was it like actually wrestling Chris Candido? Because, you know, but like we told, we kind of mentioned a few minutes ago, awesome wrestler also was an awesome guy, but I think a little bit of an underrated talent. Oh, hands down. I mean, he can do anything. He can fly. He can wrestle. He can brawl. I mean, he was the complete package, hands down. And you know, it's I. Chris Cadido had the potential to be a star anywhere he went. And uh, you know, and, and behind the scenes, one of the one of the greatest guys ever. And you know, I'll I'll gosh, I'll never forget my time with him. And uh, you know, I, I miss him like a brother. I really do. I love him to death. And uh, you know, there. Chris Candido, man. No gimmicks needed. <laughs> he was the man. Yep. yep. 
which is a, a quite an awesome nickname as well. But, you know, moving forward just a little bit to the USWA, because that's another great kind of forgotten territory. Obviously, Jerry Lawler, Jerry Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett, you know, a lot of big names, a lot of great stuff. What would you take away from your time down there in the USWA? Oh, man. And that doesn't, that no territory, you can learn a lot from psychology. I mean, Jerry the King Lawler, superstar building the uh, PG-13, who I feuded with uh, being part of the three-man trio, kind of like the Freebirds of the USWA at the time with Tommy Rich and uh, Doug Gilbert. And uh, you know, Brian met great matches with Brian Christopher there, and, and along with some of the great uh, WWE talent that would come in, and I'm like tagging with Scott Hall and uh, uh, King Mabel, you know, aka Viscera. And, you know, Undertaker would come by and Bob Backlund and just some of the best guys from WWE would come down every now and then to join in and, you know, getting to meet guys like Big Joe LaDuke, <laughs> Jimmy Bryant, and, you know, Steve Kern, who I've known for a long time, you know, through, uh, you know, WCW and, uh, you know, briefly USWA and all that. And, you know, and Steve Kern, you know, I've always been a big fan of Steve Kern and Mike Graham back in the day when I was growing up in the business. So meeting him was a big honor. And, uh, you know, USWA, it, it was really, really cool. And I really learned a lot. And uh, and being in the Mid-South Coliseum and Louisville Gardens, I mean, would give you goosebumps seeing all the history that went down those arenas. And we hit five states a week. <laughs> no matter where we're at, we always had to be in Memphis, 9 a.m. Saturday morning, Channel 5. And we're all dragging it all like deprived of sleep. <laughs> but we pulled it out somehow. And, uh, man, it, great times, man. Uh, I went through two cars in Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, m- many road experiences. Be too, too many to mention here, but <laughs> uh, great time. I made friends and had some great times I'll never forget. Memphis is such a great hotbed in the history of wrestling, especially, you know, you look back at some CWA and then USWA. It's just so many great talents came through there, so many great matches, so many wild brawls. But as far as uh, maybe a little partying, did you do any partying with the crazy PG-13 down there? Uh, between, between my time with Smokey and... USWA, oh my goodness, uh, never a dull moment. Matt, <laughs> <laughs> it used to take me on the road because I was, you know, and I, I didn't, you know, I didn't part, I wasn't a partier, you know what I mean? But I, I would hang out, and they they would kind of bring me around just to kind of watch their back because uh, there was one time where I I uh, protected some of the boys from a, a, a bar fight one night. <laughs> And uh, and from then on out, they took me on the road and said, "Man, you hang with us." <laughs> so I would like your protection. That's great, though. I mean, uh, you know that the the stories of them, and we've talked to both of them. They they tend to get a little crazy. They tend to get a little wild. Uh, but you know, they probably need a little bit of an enforcer, you know, in you to help them out a little bit, so they get them out of trouble. But, you know, moving forward just a little bit with USW, obviously, you know, they had a relationship with the WWF. Like you said, they had Backlund and Scott Hall and Undertaker kind of come in for a little bit. Was there ever any interest from Vince or from the WWF in bringing you in? Yes. Matter of fact, I tried out with Chris Benoit 
oh, well. 90s on the Jonestown, PA, Monday Night Raw TV taping, in which uh, my tribe matched with the Scotty Riggs, who is a, he was a great wrestler at that time. And I had many great matches with Scotty. And Chris Benoit was in with the late uh, Owen Hart, which they had an amazing match in itself. And both of us had great matches. It was just, uh, neither it was, I just felt it wasn't neither one of us time to be there. And, but it was great meeting Vince and, uh, seeing all the great talent there. And, uh, I have to thank, uh, Sid, uh, Vicious, you know, for hooking me up with that deal, actually. And some of the boys stuck up for me for that. And, uh, it was really cool later on that Benoit and I entered uh, WCW together. So, uh, it's funny how things work out. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like, especially with you guys, you know, maybe WWF missed out. But like you said, in the wrestling business, it's all about timing. And that time with Benoit going to WCW, what was the general feeling of what your gimmick was going to be? Were you always going to be Gorgeous George III heading in? Well, here's the story of that. Gorgeous George the third deal. Start, um, I was in Puerto Rico at the time uh, with uh, Val Venus. And uh, Val gets a call. <laughs> Macho Man calls the phone nasty for me. And he's, like, mm-hmm. freaking out. Like, dude, Macho Man. <laughs> I thought he was ribbing me, right? Right. And sure enough, Randy Savage. And, yes, he does talk that way on the phone like he does. <laughs> he's doing his promos, which is mm-hmm. uh, classic. But uh, he heard about me from Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett. Which Jerry Jarrett and I were good friends, great, great friends. And he, he believed in my talent when I was in USWA because he, he likes tough guys. He likes the shooters and the hookers, and <laughs> so he told me about you know the Gorgeous George thing. So they were going to try to work out a deal where Lanny Poffo was going to be the new Gorgeous George, and now it's going to be going on another whole new deal, right? Hmm. But neither neither of our deals fell through. So I went back to doing what I was doing. I went to uh, different places: uh, Mexico, AAA with Jake Snake Roberts. We were at Triple Mania Seven, I believe, uh, main event. Which was amazing. I mean, uh, over sixty some thousand people, <laughs> I think. Wow, nice. And Mexico City, and uh, it was one. Yeah, it's like their version of WrestleMania. It was amazing. And then um, I got back doing some stuff in Texas. Actually, get, getting to work with some of the world class championship wrestling guys: Black Bart, Skander Ekbar, Wild Bill Owen. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to tag with those guys. That was really cool. But um, and you know, with the Von Erichs. <laughs> Of all people, and then that's when I got to call for another uh, tryout match, which was, this was with uh, Chavo Guerrero Jr., which I couldn't be any happier because I was friends with all the Guerreros since I was on their Armstrongs. I mean, rich wrestling family, and we went out there and just tore it up. And and you know, with that Guerreros, even you know, even when I started WCW, we used to get together and pray together for matches and everything, and. Uh, I get in the back there, man, and you know, Dad and Dallas Page, and everybody was putting the match over how great it was, and uh, the agents coming in. And of course, anybody knows about the big companies. You know, the agents will give you like different opinions about certain things. You don't know which one to believe, right? Right, right. But it goes back to my grandpa. He used to tell me a long time ago. He says, I "Always know who the boss is." Eric Bischoff walks in, right, mm. and says, "Great match. We can use a great talent like you. Welcome aboard." And no sooner he said that, all the agents were like, "Oh, great match!" <laughs> you know, and I never got to walk out the door. There's Arn Anderson and a, and a list of boys behind him waiting to shake my hand, welcoming the company, and that was like the greatest feeling. 
man, I was, I mean, I was high as a kite on cloud nine. <laughs> Hands down, accepted. And uh, for, for first year, I was Gorgeous George third for the longest time for that year with WCW, right? Mm-hmm. We tapings down Orlando and different things. And, and then that's when Randy wanted to give name to his girlfriend at the time, Stephanie Bellers, hmm. which which I, I didn't know too much about her at the time, but I was kind of perplexed like everyone else, like all the provocative names she's going to give her wife. But he's just, Savage is he's such a passionate person. Anybody that knows Savage, I mean, and anybody knows him knows he had deep love for Gorgeous George, the, the persona, right? So, so I went to Eric Bischoff and, you know, try to work things out because I still want to do good business. And I didn't, because I didn't understand what the heck was going on either. And I don't think he knew he. <laughs> but uh, we put our heads together and uh, thus Maestro was born, which was a, a throwback from the old Gorgeous George, the third deal I was doing, but with more of a, a real life musical twist because I was, had theater experience and musical experience and everything. And, uh, they were going through phases at the time. You can notice their martial arts deal with um, Mortis and Wrath and Glacier, right? And then then WCW was going through another trend of the musical genre, which was the artist, the Prince Ikea, right? Yep. And the Demon and all that. And, and I was a part of that with the maestro, right? In which there were many ideas and angles for myself that never materialized that kind of started, hence the uh, David Flair deal, which was going to lead into a, a deal with the old man, Nature Boy, Ric Flair, <laughs> which I was very excited about. Right. I, I think some some other folks were too, but, for, you know, just like a lot of ideas and storylines got lost in the cracks with the revolving door bosses we had. So <laughs> it is what it is. Now, you know, with the maestro itself, what was the, like, basically was that, you know, you said a few of you came up with it together, but were you the one that was kind of like, okay, you know, we're going to use this theme, I'm going to present myself this way, or were they kind of guiding you? Well, it was a collaboration of myself, Rick Bischoff, and people in the office, you know, putting all our heads together and coming up with it, in which, uh, you know, it was like uh, my my vision of the Maestro didn't come out to later on in my run where uh, Maestro was more of a – had had a darker side and where something like bad music or anything would set him off and he would snap and go crazy. And that didn't materialize until later on towards my feuds with Buff Bagwell and the Catterness Miller. So, Which was kind of cool. And it was kind of a, a different side of the Meister, obviously you said, which was a kind of, which is kind of good because you obviously want a, you know, more serious character to try to move up the card. Did you mind them putting Symphony Alicia Webb with you? Not at all. Not at all. She was tremendous. She was, what a wonderful lady she is. And you know, my first two picks actually were Bobby Heenan and Sherry Martell. <laughs> oh wow! And and uh, Bobby wanted to do it so bad, but he was tied pretty tied up at the time doing commentary. And Sherry almost had the gig, and which neither one of them would have been amazing, but. Uh, the office went ahead and went with Alicia, which, uh, she, what, what a total sweetheart she was. And uh, great to be on the road and with, and uh, just uh, a great lady, hands down, even to this day. And it, it's great to see her and her son doing well. And, you know, she's she's uh, dating the Davari right now. 
And those guys are two good people. You know what I mean? You, you can ask for nicer people. With, you know, the Symphony character and the Maestro character, I remember the theme song being very much like, remember uh, Paul Orndorff's old theme, The Miss Wonderful? Is that kind of, was it that theme that, that I'm thinking of? Yeah, that yes, kind it of was. The, okay. <laughs> they basically gave me the sheet music to play for the old Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff song and piano <laughs> version. <laughs> So I went with it, you know, like, and it was, it was, it was funny because Jimmy and Jimmy Hart and I were, I thought we were the only two at the time and everything about, about music and we we're both musically inclined. So I was great. I was honored to have Jimmy Hart work with me with the, on the musical end because, uh, you know, Jimmy and I, you know, both have experience in Memphis and, you know, we would tell Memphis stories all the time and everything. And you know, J- Jimmy's such a great guy. And, uh, so he, he worked with me quite a bit and, uh, in which, uh, well, those entrances, you'd see me in the platform in the elaborate stage coming down from the rafters. Mm-hmm. That was that was me legitly playing that thing, man. And I had to kick oh. that bass because back then they would pack the houses and the nitros and the thunders, whatever, and you wouldn't even hear, you couldn't even hear the music unless I would, like, bang the keys, right? <laughs> and to leading up that few weeks prior leading up to that, um, I was you realize this or not, even play, coming down the rafters, playing the piano, baby grand, I had a harness behind me, a cable harness behind me. That's a safety precaution in case the, the, the contraption would uh, collapse and I could propel myself up. And at the time, Sting and I were only two people doing that uh, since the passing of Owen Hart, in which I had uh, asked Bret Hart permission if I could uh, do that entrance. Because if, because I I knew the Hart family. Stu Hart was a friend of my trainer, Nelson Royal. So I got, you know I got up the ice with the Hearts, and, uh, I, and I knew Owen and Brett. From, you know before I jumped into WCW, and I, I went asked Brett for permission to do that because if he wouldn't have said no, then out of respect for the family, I would have done the entrance. But he gave me the green light, so I went with it. And rest uh, was history. And I was going to mention two weeks prior, I had. To, propelling myself from the top of the arena down to the ground, just like Sting would, right, with a stuntman. Mm. He would work with me on that. And he would keep reinforcing to me how strong those harnesses are. You know what I mean? So the uh, first couple of times was scary, but I got used to it after the third or fourth try, you know? He, but, uh, yeah, man, yeah, that, it was, I'm not going to lie, it was still scary trying to play that piano coming down like that. But it was awesome. It was a really awesome feeling. And I remember one time I couldn't get the harness off my t- back of my tights, right? So uh, <laughs> I had the harness in the ring with me during one of my matches. And huh. every bump I took in the mat, oh, my God, it killed. And I was just gritting my teeth and, you know, <laughs> getting through it. It's like, for the love of God, I can't wait till the bell rings. You know what I mean? Huh. And, and it's about you on TV, on live, and you're having a grueling match with somebody. And, you know, making the best, making the mess exciting as you can for the people, and yet, yet you got this dirt harness underneath your little lumbar just grinding at you. <laughs> you know, crazy. Gotta hurt a little bit, and doing that, you know, propelling from the ceiling obviously is dangerous and definitely, you know, very, very scary. And but it did, you know, to be honest, it did make for a cool entrance. It made you stand out, and it was definitely a little bit different. But how come the Maestro character wasn't pushed a little bit more? Was it, you know, politics or what was the real story behind that? You know, 
I had a great run. You know, I'm not no complaints. I had a really great run. And, you know, I mentioned earlier in the show there were like a few things that if they would have materialized would explain more of my persona better, like the flare situation. The uh, storyline I was coming about earlier. And uh it it's just you know, it was just there was a glass ceiling there, you know what I mean? Where guys only can get for so far and once they hit that ceiling that was it. And uh you know, it, it was just, it's just like, for example, you know, when we had James Brown come in and do the deal with the cat, myself, Ernest Miller, and the, it was huge. And, it, and our deal was just a segment on Super Brawl. It wasn't really a scheduled match, but it was like the most talked about segment of the whole deal, right? And even I remember Vampiro uh, meeting me in the back after uh, after that segment. He said, man, that's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, which a Vampiro was like another guy that, I, I thought also could have been even bigger than they're letting them allow him to be, because you, uh, I mean, at the time he had such a fan base. I mean, he was, I mean, those golf fans loved him. <laughs> it was amazing, and I mean, I, I thought at one time he was right up there with Sting, and it was great to see them finally feud. But and I, in a way, I wish it felt rushed. You know what I mean? I wish they would have like prolonged yeah. it. And, and made the most out of it because uh, th- that would have been money if done right. But that that's just what, you know with a lot of other things that were going on at the time. And, and at one time they're going to put me with uh, the Crazy Bunch, uh, uh, Daphne and Crowbar, which I was very excited about because <laughs> we we would be in a road a lot together and uh, being with those guys would be a lot of fun. So, but you know, it uh it is what it is and. Uh, it's time I'll never forget, and to be there during a time where they were kicking butt and rocking the wrestling world, it, it was really great to be a part of WCW. And you definitely mentioned some great underrated talent there, but the guy who's very polarizing and was there uh, obviously a little bit after uh, Bischoff was Vince Russo. What was your thoughts of working with Russo? Because, you know, people have uh, opinions of him either way, but, you know, regardless, he's definitely a polarizing figure. Uh, Vince Russo. Is that what said? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, well, I I think with Vince Russo, his style of doing things wasn't meant to be for WCW. I mean, you know, he had he had ideas and he had a creative mind, but you know, I don't think it was in the mindset of WCW and many of the WCW fans watching because WCW. A whole new breed of animal from WWE. You don't have a Vince McMahon filtering his ideas, you know, like you're in WWE and and so forth. And so it's like, you know, I, I'm he meant well, I felt, but there's things that I didn't really, I didn't see eye to eye with, honestly. But uh, it was what it was, and uh, that was <laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> hmm. What ultimately led to your departure from WCW? Well, financially, they were going through a downward spiral. I mean, I had financial advisors telling me that they were having some issues and some trouble, and which, uh, creatively, you could see things were kind of going on a downward spike. So when my contract was up and... And they were talking about 
you know, the future and so forth, I, I you know, I I decided to climb because I, I kind of knew things were going south, honestly. So, you know, I just let my contract go up, and that was it. And where did you head after WCW? I know you did a, a lot of independent scenes. I know you were kind of uh, in one of the NWA yeah, you know, as they started to rebrand and kind of repump themselves up. But did you spend a lot of time on the independent scene? Uh, well, I I tried to go to ECW at one time. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, I didn't know that. And then okay. they folded. Then they uh, folded. Yeah, that's right. Yep, yep. Go figure. It was like a domino effect. So I, you know, I went back to the, the Indies and started, you know, doing going around different independents and doing my thing from there and uh, and so forth and. You know, I had to wrestling school at the time as well, and eventually I got into acting, which I'm doing now, and along with the wrestling still, believe it or not. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, things, yeah. So, yeah, things have been going great, and you know, I've been in great matches, and um, I'm getting ready to have some more, actually. I had a great match with Eric Young this past weekend for the UPWA Heavyweight Championship that I defended, and uh, I'm going to be in New Jersey this Saturday with uh, Ethan Carter III, Tina Impact, and then I'm flying to Vegas for the Cauliflower Alley Club reunion, which uh, I'm not only part of the Casino Royale Battle Royal Monday night in Vegas there at Gold Coast Casino Hotel, but I also have a seminar uh, with Jake Metal, VWF, and Greg Mazzoriak of Gals Wrestling talking about gimmicks, which that would be pretty cool. And, and, of course, I'll be at the two cer- banquet ceremonies going to Baloney Blowout and the, uh, the big banquet there that night, both nights, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday night, you know, um, with all the awards and everything, and seeing legends like Trish Stratus being honored, uh, Art Anderson, Paul Orndorff, uh, I think Terry Funk's doing something with Mean Gene Oakland. <laughs> it's, it's going to be a great time. I can't wait. Sounds uh, absolutely awesome. And as I wind it down a bit here, you know, you're talking about some awesome stuff coming up for you and some awesome things you're up to, but if I could kind of go back to the past a little bit and ask you, what is your favorite match or maybe a couple of favorite matches that you've had in your career? Oh, man, I have had some great ones. You know, I've been really blessed to have some great ones. Uh, I know I mentioned being a triple mania in the main event, checking with Jake Roberts, and, you know, you had Connect and uh, Off the Gone, some of the best in time at AAA. Jeez, uh, I've had some great ones. with the Barbarians from WCW, WWE. You know, of course, I mentioned WCW. You had Roddy Piper, Terry Funk, and Steiner's. Great Muda. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and the Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh, I, th- I I looked up too so much because, I mean, here's a guy that's re- been at WrestleMania with Lawrence Taylor. He's been in ECW and in the great match with Taz. And, you know, I've always been a big Bam Bam Bigelow fan. And, uh, yeah, the Benoit's, the Guerrero's, the Jericho's, the Malenko's. Ah, man. You know, some, uh, William Regal, who is still one of my good friends, and uh, we both love technical wrestling to death. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it was a great time, always a great time seeing him. Dave Taylor put on the clinic in the ring, the two Jedi Masters. Um, oh, man. You know, being in, I, I've been there many, many, many great wrestlers through the years, and it'd be hard to pinpoint just one, but I'm just so, so blessed. Uh, being in ring with all those guys and have great matches with them and still doing what I love doing, living the dream and, and helping others live their dream. 
and turn on the art. It, it, it's uh, this is this is amazing, and I thank God for all of it. You know, I really do. Do you have a, a favorite opponent, just like maybe one or two guys that you absolutely just clicked with the best? You thought, you know, that these guys are the, you know my favorite guys to wrestle, or maybe like, uh, you know, the best chemistry that you have with somebody. Quite a few of the years. I know one name comes to mind was Rob Van Dam. I mean, we could have a match blindfolded and be great. I mean, he was amazing to be in the English. We we have we used to have some great great matches. I mean, he, I do all the wrestling. He do his acrobatics and. <laughs> hmm. You know, it, it, it's the amazing matches we had. This was even before ECW, <laughs> right? Hmm. So if you get a chance to see some of the gorgeous George the third matches with Rob Van Dam, I mean, it was always a lot of fun. That's cool. I'm going to have to go to YouTube, you know. Uh, as, soon as, as soon as we're done, I'm going to check those out. That sounds like a lot of fun. Now, is there a dream match out there that you haven't had that yet that, you know, whether you know the guy is living or, or dead or whatever, just a if you could, you know, in a dream world, who would be your dream opponent? You know, I've been really blessed and worked with guys like the Funks, the Flares, the Steamboats, uh, the Bucket List. I, I'd say one guy, and I, I don't know if I ever get a chance to, but I would love to step in the ring with and have a classic with his uh, Kurt Angle. This guy, I, he's amazing. He, he's one of those guys, and he's a brother to Matt, amateur-wise professional wise and and people just don't understand the Olympic athlete is a, a special breed way above your normal athlete and they're doing what he's done they win the gold medal I mean you, how many guys in the business can say they've won Olympic gold medal <laughs> you know what I mean that's heavy yeah and, oh uh, yeah Kurt, Kurt Angle hands down is the man I'm just like Brock Lesnar I mean Brock Lesnar is another guy that's a, an enigma a phenomenon I mean, former UFC champ, former world champ. I mean, how many guys in the business that are a former UFC heavyweight champ? You know what I mean? So, Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Angle will definitely have to be at the top of the list. I mean, what amazing, amazing wrestler. And what a great guy, too. As far as any current guys out there today, I know, obviously, we talked a little bit about the NXT and a little bit about WrestleMania, but is there some current guys, some up and comers, maybe besides uh, Scott Dawson? Is there somebody else you you know you have your eye on, saying like this is the next star? You know, there's a lot of hungry talent out there coming up the ranks. A lot of hungry talent. You know, you got Victor Andrews, uh, a great talent. Uh, you got Mike Orlando coming up from the UPWA. He's another guy to look out for. Uh, let's see who else. Give my man big country, which is uh, he's a ginormous. He's out of Carolinas. Oh man, uh, who who was it? Uh, Shaheem Ali, who just started with the Ring of Honor. Self, uh, Jason the Gift Kincaid, who I've had many great matches with the NWA. Um, just uh, and those guys, and you got Amber O'Neill, who's the women's champ, and I think in the NWA. Um, those are some of the, the few that come to mind. And oh, oh yeah, uh, the Heat Seekers, <laughs> the tag team, the Heat Seekers, man. Yeah, they're and Caprice Coleman. He's another one. Uh, I had a great match with him a few months back, and uh, just uh, just to get in the ring with the guys and still go to their level, you know, that's that's great with me. You know what I mean? <laughs> but huh. these. 
these young these young cats, man, I'm, I'm telling you, they're they're going to be stars for a long time. Keep an eye out for them. And and uh, Cedric Alexander is another one I was going to mention. That very talented man. And Tessa Blanchard. All very good ones, and obviously some of them should be very familiar to some of the some of our listeners, like uh, Cedric Alexander, Caprice Coleman, and Jason Kincaid, especially. All unique talents, all definitely great. Uh, I see a big things out of Cedric, especially. Uh, he had a, quite a tremendous run with Ring of Honor, and you know, and obviously he still is having a great run with uh, within Ring of Honor. Oh now, yeah, Cedric's amazing. Yeah, oh, absolutely. He, he's he's definitely going to be a future star, I, I think, anyway. But uh, he's been great in Ring of Honor, nothing but good things for him. But as far as the Stroh, as far as you're concerned, now this is a question DDP kind of prefaced to us, and it's kind of a where do you see yourself in five years? So where does the Stroh see himself in five years? Well, hopefully still doing my thing, still resting as long as my body will let me. <laughs> Uh, still pursuing the acting, the TV and film, um, big and better things, striving for that, and um, helping and helping people in the business be be the future stars of our industry, uh, and just helping people in general because you know it's all about giving back. It's all about uh, being true to yourself and your family, whether it be wrestling family, your immediate family, or in in general. You know, life's all about helping each other out, and that's what I'm all about too. Well said, indeed. And what's kind of the you think the the lasting legacy of Gorgeous George, and obviously Gorgeous George the third? What would you say? Would you say maybe an innovator, kind of a, a groundbreaker? Both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both. Both could definitely relate to uh, Gorgeous George. And one final thing here: Where can the fans find the show? Give us some plugs, maybe some social media stuff. Where can they find? Robert Kellum, a.k.a. The Stroh. Well, you can find me first on my official website at www.thestroh.com. Uh, on the Facebook at Stroh the Maestro, Twitter at The Stroh, on Instagram at Stroh Maestro. And you can look at me at imdb.com too and see all my film credits and so forth and the upcoming films I got, TV series I got coming up as well. And which... Uh, Two two films coming up this year. One's starting to make its rounds uh, called Son of Clowns, in which you can check out the story behind Son of Clowns and the trailer and where it's going to be played at next at their website, uh, sonofclowns.com. And it has the trailer and everything. Another film um, that's coming out Memorial Day weekend that I did with uh, my fellow WCW alumni, Bill Goldberg, uh, William Forsyth, Kenny Johnson from Sons of Anarchy, Fred Williamson from Dust of Dawn, Mindy Robinson, the heart all-star cast called Checkpoint, in which you can check out the trailer of that film and everything on it at CheckpointTheMovie.com, and that will be premiering more Day Weekend. Once again, that website is PointTheMovie.com. Be looking at me out for me soon on, uh, rather, on the next season of the TV series Good Behavior on TNT, coming up uh, I think later on this summer or fall, whatever. But uh, just go to the TNT channel website for that, more information on that. Uh, if you want to see some of my old, uh, some of the TV shows I was on last last season, or last year rather, uh, you can check out some of my old stuff from Sleepy Hollow and Fox. 
Secrets and Lies and ABC. And uh, um, I'll be doing other TV and film projects coming up soon. So just go to my future website, www.destro.com, for all the info on wrestling TV and what have you. And uh wanted to thank you guys for listening to the end of this interview and always strive for your dreams. Never give up. Always have strength and faith. God bless you all. Thank you guys for having me. Awesome. Thank you very much. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.